Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm so happy to have you join me once again. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I just love hearing from you every single week and helping you to live your most fearlessly authentic life. And on the show with my guests every single week, it is my goal to educate you, which you will be this week, empowered, entertained, and inspired. Because if we're not doing all of these things, if we're not learning every day, then in my opinion, we're not living fearlessly and we're not being our authentic selves. And I created this show because I was always a scaredy cat. And I wanted to help myself and others overcome their fears, overcome those obstacles so they can live their best life ever. And with my guest today, we are going to do that. But I wanted to talk about, before we get started, Sakara. Sakara is a plant-based company that I've been using since last January. It was my goal after I turned 60 that I was going to go more plant-based. And I would love to share my discount code with you because they create beautiful, delicious, nutritious, plant-based meals to your home. The name of the company is Sakara, and you could go to their website, S-A-K-A-R-A.com. Use my code XOJody and save 20% off your first purchase. Again, it's plant-based Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A. Use my discount code XOJody and save 20% on your first purchase. And I would love to hear from you. Tell me how you like it. It, The food is so delicious. It's really changed the way I eat. And I also wanted to tell you about the Fierce and Fearless Mindset Summit on January 10th. This is a virtual event where I will be having four experts in the areas of mindset, money, love, and relationships. And I hope you can join me. Go to my website, jodyfit.com. That's Jody with an I, fit.com, J-O-D-I-F-I-T.com. And you could sign up for this virtual event to change your life in 2022. It's about setting those goals and then sticking to them. And these experts are going to help you along with myself to set those goals. So here we are today with a guest that I've been talking to, I've known for years, and saw him this summer and said, I've got to have you on my show. You are impacting so many lives with what you do. So welcome to the show, Guy Stanley Falosh. Ah, thank you so much for having me. It's been way too long for sure. Way too long. We've been talking about this for a while and um, and then we just made it happen. It's taken six months, but I don't really care how long. <laughs> and I wanted to um, just tell our listeners a little bit about you. I can't get my glasses on with, with this headset on. So for those of you who do not know who Guy Stanley Falosh is, he is a Haitian-born uh, modern artist. He immigrated to Connecticut when he was three years old as the middle child of three boys and coming from a family of sports enthusiasts whose passion he didn't share, Falosh turned to art as his calling. While remaining close to his Haitian roots, Falosh was the only son to buck his culture's tradition of the entire family living together 
and struck out on his own, first attending Pear College of Art and then Yale. He now lives in New York City, and for the past 20 years, Guy Stanley Faloche has been attracting international attention with his work and his impressive roster of solo shows. As an artist, Guy's palette is strong and sophisticated, and we're going to get more into that. Most recently, he has been centered in the news for his March call-out to fellow emerging and local artists that he will purchase as much, as, as much artwork as possible during the wake of the COVID pandemic. To date, he has purchased, and this number has probably increased, over $350,000 worth of art from more than 300 artists from around the globe, including Boston, Chicago, Kansas City, LA, Miami, New York, and Sydney. What I love the most, Guy, is what you say here. He believes, is, he believes it is a moral imperative to give back and has generous, generously, can't talk today, that's not good to be on a radio show, donated his time and worked to benefit many charities over the years. Every time he sells a painting, he buys a painting to support his fellow artist. I love that so, so much. And is that number 350,000 still yeah, the number? It, it's, uh, it's still there, but it's over 400 artists though. Wow. Wow. So impressive. Again, welcome to the show. I really want to share your journey as an artist because I think there are a lot of them out there, as I'm sure you know, that struggle, don't know how to start it. That's their passion, but maybe they're scared, especially with this world that we're living in right now. It's so uncertain. So if we can go back to when you first, you know, not back to when you were three years old, but you know, (laughs) that would be a very long show. Um, but, you know, your passion for art, like, how did you realize that that was what you wanted to do? Well, to answer that question, you need to, I need to, like, rewind a little bit, you know. Sure. So when I, when I came here as a kid, you know, English is my second language, right? So I was this weird, awkward-looking kid, um, and all of a sudden, I'm in, like, this whole new um, country, didn't speak the language, um, and, I, and I found art to be a way for me to find myself in the world, you know, to find my voice in the world as well, Mm. you know? Um, But it wasn't until high school, I would say that when um, when I went to museums and and discovered museums and discovered all the great masters like Picasso's and Van Van Gogh's and Basquiat's and, you know, um, Rothko's, that's when I guess I had my Oprah aha moment, you know, I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to do for a living. And, when I decided to apply for um, school, my parents sacrificed so much for us, for us to get here. And education is very important in our household. Um, and when you, if you know anyone that's Haitian or, or, or West Indian background, you know that um, the most important thing is always like become a lawyer, doctor, or some type of government job with a pension, right? Yes, so, very true. <laughs> so when I told my parents that I was going to art school, they weren't too thrilled about it at all. Uh, my mom was, you know, she said I was way too smart. Uh, and, you know, my mom was a maid and my dad was an engineer. And uh, my mom said that, you know, she's scrubbing off toilets, so therefore I would never have to, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and they just didn't want me to struggle. Right. Because they had they had gone through their own struggles. Yeah. You know, we right. as as parents, we never want to we want to make life better for our children. So when our children say, oh, I think I'm going to do this. You're like, no, 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 no. We've worked this hard. So you don't have to do that. Exactly. You know, so 
17 years old. I graduated from school. I kissed my parents goodbye and I left home. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. And so did you know that at that point that art was something you were going to pursue? You didn't know what was going to be of it, but is, was that your passion? Were you aware of that at the yeah, time? Yeah, I knew, I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to create, mm-hmm. you know, um, nowadays people call it, you know, oh, you're a creative, you know, that's what the kids are calling it these days. Uh, I just knew I was, I wanted to paint. I wanted to make art. Um, and there was no plan B. There was no backup plan or anything like that. So I, you know, went to Para College of Arts. You know, I'm 18 years old. I have my first apartment. Uh, I'm paying for school full time. I'm paying for rent. I'm, paying, I'm just struggling. But, um, you know, but thank God, you know, because I put myself to school bartending. You know, I would bartend Thursday, Friday nights um, and then just go to school during the day and bartending at night. You know, so that got me through it. And moved to New York City when I got done with school. How did you know? So while your parents were watching you work hard at school, work hard, like you were paying for everything because right. they said they just said, this yeah. isn't really what we want to do. If this is what you want to pursue, go for it. And, you know, I, be- I really believe in that advice because that really will tell a child. And even though you're 18, understand where I'm coming from as a parent, as a child and tell them, look, we don't really support what we're doing. We love you and we wish you well, but don't you feel that 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 gave you that that ability to really feel that struggle, know how much you wanted to pursue this passion and know deep inside, as you said, there was no plan B. So you're like, I got this. Like, I I will work hard. I will scrub toilets. I will do whatever it takes to pursue my dream. It was was definitely, uh, it's, you know, people ask me what was, you know, what was that, big aha moment in your career, you know, that made you where you are right now. And I really tell them that my parents not paying for me to go to school because I had no safety. I didn't have no safety blanket at all. So it was definitely a game changer for me. You know, uh, it made me stay focused. It made me keep my, uh, keep my eye on the prize. And also it made, it made sure that failure was not an option at all. I love that. I love that. So you were scrappy. And I think when we are, you know, that's what I was saying before was that when you're that scrappy, Mm -hmm. you're you're like, I'm I'm not going to fail. There is no failure. And I think, you know, I, I agree with that mindset so much. You know, when I started competing in fitness shows, there was no losing. I was going to win. I always saw myself as winning, as winning, as winning. And setting constantly setting goals. So your goal in moving to New York, you had your degree in art, and now what are you going to do, right? Yeah. So, so I, um, so I, I go pair, finish pair, then I go Yale, um, and I'm finished there. And all I have is five thousand dollars, a duffel bag, and sell goals. You know, mm-hmm. goal number one is just like find an apartment. <laughs> right. yeah. That was the first goal, you know. Um, so um, I found my apartment. Um, I, I grind. I made, you know, 12 beautiful paintings. Uh, I built a website. And here I am. I was like, all right, I'm down to like my last $2,000. Uh, I have this I have this little apartment. You know, I have a place to paint. I have these 12 beautiful paintings. Now, look, because I didn't move to New York to be a bartender. I didn't right. move to New York to wait tables. I didn't move to New York to be any artist assistant. I, I, I moved to New York to be a full-time 
artist. artist. Right. Um, so, so now I'm just like, all right, cool. What do I do? You know, how do I, how do I get discovered? How do I get, how do I sell my stuff? You know? Yeah. Um, so one of my first big breaks was, uh, I don't know if you remember, but the village voice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So the village voice, it was, you know, the number one newspaper in New York city. It was on the corner of every block. Um, and one day I'm, I'm walking on, on Park Avenue and I see this doorman grab the stack of them and bring something to his posh building. And I remember going up to him, I was like, why are you taking all the paper? He was like, oh, everyone in the building reads this paper. I was like, oh. So that was when I had like my, uh, my little aha moment. You're like, you know? oh, okay. okay. Cool. So I go, um, I have a friend who's a photographer at the time, who's a graphic designer. Um, we build this beautiful ad. Uh, it was the same. It was the same size as the Village Voice, you know, like eleven by fourteen ad. We go Kinkos, you know. I spend like a thousand dollars printing three thousand copies of them. And if you know anything about the Village Voice, the Village Voice comes out every Wednesday night at midnight, right? So every Wednesday night at midnight, I would go with my backpack with all these copies and these ads, and literally take them out of the newsstand and just stuff them on every major corner. So I would hit Park Avenue, I would hit I would hit Soho, I would hit Fifth Avenue, every posh neighborhood, I would just stuff, you know, these village vo- uh, these ads and these village voices. And I did that for six months straight. And I did not know that story yeah. at all. So believe it or not, that's how I really got like my big break because people saw the ads, saw my website, and that's how I saw my first New York painting and that's how I got my first dealer. Um, in New York because they saw the ad and they just assumed that I was a successful artist already because I was advertising in the village voice. Right. And we talked about fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, fake it yeah. till you make it. And, you know, there is some, there, there is a, a certain mindset about that. You know, just you believe when you believe in yourself, you know, you're going to make it. So yeah. you're like, I just need a little push here. And yeah. and you were hustling. I mean, that's yeah. one thing I know about you from the time I met you. You hustle. You hustle, and, man. And the thing, and, you know, the hustle and the grind never stops. You know, nope. even now, you know, 22 years later, you know, uh, I'm still hustling. I'm still grinding. But it's on a bigger, it's on a bigger you know, platform. Um, but it's still, it's still grinding. Right, right. So let's talk about your debut work. That's Picasso, everybody. I'm sorry. That's okay. Of course, he probably never barks, but we'll decide to bark only on this show. So your debut work, how many years did it get you to your actual debut work? Because you did a lot of work before that. So when you refer to your acclaimed debut work, how many years into being an artist in in New York did it take you to one thing, one thing that I'm very lucky is that um, I do series, you know, and every series usually have between, you know, 20 to 30 to 40 paintings in a series. Because uh, as an artist, you have to grow and evolve, you know, and I didn't want to be one of these artists who got stuck painting the same thing over and over and over again. You know, so my, you know, my first big break series was my Untitled series. Um, that's just, that was pretty much the series that actually put me on the map. You know, that was a series that, you know, George Bank, Morgan Stanley, uh, Clooney has with P.E.s. Um, so Lula. tell us about that. What is it? What is the uh, Untitled series? Oh, it's, it's also the Untitled series is basically my, um, my abstract paintings. You know, um, it's more of those giant color studies where it's just, um, 
Uh, it's all emotional based. It's all about, you know, composition, structure, and color. Okay. So pastel. So one of the things that you talk about is that people, when they look at your, your work, they, they want to touch it. There's right. that. And you want, you want to emote that feeling from that. And I know most artists want, you know, when they paint, there's an emotion behind it. And therefore you want who's ever viewing it and purchasing it to emote every time they see it. So what is it like you for you in that debut series, the emotion that you wanted, that you felt and you wanted others to feel? So that, that goes back to when I was going to museums for the first time, you know, uh, as a kid, you know, here I am at, you know, going to museums, I'm seeing these amazing paintings with all this texture. And I remember trying to touch the painting. I remember the security guard saying, hey, you can't touch that. That's $10 million right there. Interesting. Like, oh, You're like, know? oh, one day I'm going to be painting like, a picture. Yeah, I was like, all right, cool. One day I'm going to make art that people can touch, you know? Right. So my entire series is one of the series where um, I encourage people to use all your senses, not just seeing the work, but also touching the work and also smelling the work because I use lots of varnishes and, um, and different pigments. Uh, and I really want the viewers to really connect it, not just visually, but also use all your senses touching them as well. I'm very um, in tune to the senses right now, because as you know, my mom isn't, isn't well. And the only, the, you know, the last sense to go is hearing. So I'm very aware of that. Obviously, when you're near a painting, you can't hear anything, but right. touching or smelling almost can make you hear what you want to hear, right? Just because yeah. a painting doesn't speak to you through a voice, don't you feel that you can still get that emotion out of it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, um, one, of, one of the greatest things um, as an artist, you want you know, collectors or viewers to, um, to get out when you work. It's like, perfect example, three weeks ago, I had a, a, one of my collectors send me the nicest email, you know, and he was a, a lawyer. And, you know, as, as you know, lawyers have very stressful jobs and everything like that. And um, he emailed me. He was like, you know, guy, I had a really, really bad day in the office. And I came home and I saw your painting and it just changed my mood completely. So for that, I thank you. You know, oh. and that's what, you know, that's what, that's the reason why I paint, you know. Um, and it's so, it's so funny how like art is so important in society, but yet in the school systems, that's always the first thing that gets cut. So let's talk about that for a minute. What, why do you think that? What, what is it? What is the message there? What is the education that we need to educate educators about? Right. Because Uh, art is so important. It is, you know, let's, let's be honest. Not everyone is meant to be a doctor, a lawyer, finance person, or, 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 or work some, some government job. Some people are just meant to create art, you know? Um, and it always breaks, it, it really truly breaks my heart when I hear that, you know, um, learning how to dribble or catch a ball is more important um, than creating art. But believe it or not, you have a better shot of making it as a working successful artist than you do have in becoming a professional athlete, you know? So every time I hear a school is cutting, but you know, cutting their budget is always the first arts, always the first day. I, I'm, I kick the doors open. I'm like, no, we're not cutting the art program. What do you need? How much do we need to raise to keep it going? Because these kids need to see, you know, people that look like me that are talented, that are creative 
And you realize, wow, you know, if he can do it, so can I. You know, remember, I came from nothing. I was just a little, I was just a weird little awkward kid from Haiti, didn't speak the language. And now, fast forward 20 years later, people are paying six figures, you know, for my work. And to this day, I'm always shocked that this is happening. This is like my life. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I know you. I mean, I know you. You believed in yourself from the first day I met you. And I believe that um, you saw this, you envisioned oh, yeah. this. I truly yeah, I, believe it. I know you're being very humble about right, it right now. Right. I, and so I'm just calling you out on it because I knew, I knew in either knowing you and talking to you that you were going to do something great like you're doing right now as you were working yes. on it. As, as, you know, let's be honest. Yes. You know, I think my, I think my career and my path was set in stone. You know, I don't believe in luck because the word, uh, when people say, oh, I got lucky, I don't like using that word because it takes away from all the hard work and sacrifice I've made. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I don't believe in like, you know, using the word, oh, you know, I have big dreams. Like, no, I have big goals, you know, because when you have, when you have, when you, when you do have a goal and you know you have a goal, there's steps to accomplish that goal, you know? So for me, it's like, I always have big goals because um, I know what I need to do to accomplish these goals. And once I accomplish the goals, like, all right, cool. Next, let's throw something up on the wall. What's next? You know, because when you just dream, you can sit there and dream all day. But if you don't take that first step of actually pursuing a dream, it's just a dream. Absolutely. I have a saying somewhere in my house, you know, uh, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Mm, ooh, I like that. You got to text me that so I can use that. I will, <laughs> I, will te- I will text you that. So after your debut series, which was influenced by everything that you saw in museums, right. you went on to create the game series. Yep. And what was that one about? Uh, so the game series started. Um, so growing up, we had game night as a kid, you know, because um, since both of my parents worked, Sunday was the only time we got together as a family. Um, so I remember, you know, my dad coming home, my mom's cooking dinner, Sunday dinner. Uh, my dad's unplugging, you know, the TV and the Nintendo. My mom's taking the phone off the hook. So it was just me and my brothers, you know, and, and some and other family members. And that was a time where we just sat and, you know, and talked about the week, you know, and what's going on in our lives, you know. And then uh, after dinner, we got together and just played board games, you know. Um, so fast forward, you know, 20 something later, you know, 20 years later, I have two amazing brothers. I have eight, um, um, nieces and nephews who are amazing. And I remember going to Connecticut one day and, um, just hanging out with my family, hanging out with my nephews and nieces, you know, and they were doing this, Mm. you know, and (laughs) it was really hard. It was really hard to get them away from doing this you know right right so so me and my younger brother were talking i was like oh we were just reminiscing and next thing you know we bust out the old you know monopoly board and we were like all right we unplugged everything guys let's play some game monopoly and everyone knows monopoly is one of those games where it's super fun super competitive but it takes hours to finish you know and our goal is just to finish the game and right. I don't know anybody who actually ever finished playing Monopoly. I don't think I don't think I know anybody either. That is a really good point. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, but it was fun. It was fun. It was bonding, you know, and my nephews and nieces had a great time and you know, all the little side deals and everything like that. So on the on the drive back, it just, you know, that feeling just felt so good. It, again, 
And I was just like, oh, you know, I think this would be a really cool series, right? Just incorporate some of these old games that I used to play as a kid. Um, and next thing you know, I did. And, and again, it was, it was a big hit and nostalgia kicked in and people loved it and people related to them. You know, I did Candyland and I remember this woman who bought Candyland was like, oh my God, when I saw this painting and the sculpture that came with it, it just reminded me of my granddaughter playing this game a million times when she was a kid, you know, and she's like, I just, I just felt really good. Um, so that's how that whole series, you know, came about. And, um, and I, again, it was a, it was a really big hit. So nostalgia is such a great thing. Uh, it, it really brings back all these beautiful memories. Oh, yeah. And as a woman who will be 61 in less than two weeks, they say that one of the things that it helps with nostalgia helps with just FYI is um, memory. So right. it helps to prevent dementia, just so you know. So that's just something else you could plug in that in that game series. But uh, it, it's, it is because, again, you're emoting these heartfelt feelings of a childhood that had great memories, right? So for you, and you were being completely authentic when you were creating. Yeah, it wasn't something, you know, one thing about my work, that I really value is like, I don't fake it. Meaning like, you know, I don't fake subject matters that I, don't, I haven't lived or, or experienced, you know? Um, I love that you just said that. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah, you know, and I don't, you know, um, and it's so funny too, because, you know, when I moved to New York, you know, um, you know, I, I, and you remember when I had long dreadlocks and, yes. you know, and everything <laughs> like that. Um, and a lot of people just assumed that when they saw my work, I, I would, you know, I would do, edgy artwork, you know? And I was like, uh, guys, I'm from Connecticut. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm from the mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Here we are. You know, I'm just realizing. What's up, baby? We actually, you know, everybody, we both grew up in the same town, but we didn't know each other. We're both in Connecticut. So, yeah, right, right. So that's why the whole Monopoly thing makes yeah, sense. So, so it's so funny when, you know, how people always, like, you know, when they see me, uh, they always kind of like had his opinion about me or what kind of work I would do, you know, that, like, oh, wow, you know, you're like, oh, you're going to pick some edgy stuff or you're going to be like, oh, the next basketball. And I'm like, no, I paint nothing like that. That's not where, you know, I, that's not what right. I paint. And even now, you know, um, black art is really, really hot. Um, we're gonna we're gonna come hold on to that thought. We're gonna come back to that. We have to take a break. We'll be back in about three minutes with Guy Stanley Falosh. See you cool. in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. 
The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Welcome back, everybody. I am here with artist Guy Stanley Falosh, and we are talking about his series and the impact that he is having on so many artists right now. After being in the art world for 20 years, having an incredible amount of success, now he's helping artists reach the successes that they want to, especially during these really uncertain times. So, Guy, when we left, hello, Guy, we're back. (laughs) What's going on? Um, When we left for the break, uh, we were talking about your game series, Candyland, Monopoly and everything, very nostalgic. And I I, I love that series personally. I love it. Um, And then COVID hits. Right. Do you freak out uh, like oh my goodness, how am I going to continue creating artwork? Am I going to get art supplies? What, what was going through your head when all of this was happening? Well, okay, so I just I just came off my uh, um, big New York sold-out show, okay? Um, 500 people showed up. We sold out every day. Um, my, dealer, uh, my dealer calls me the next day. The numbers are coming in. I'm just, just like, whoa, I made it. I I. I on my place, you know, I'm in the room now, but not just in the room. I got to see at the table, the big boys, you know, um, Wait, not even just a seat at the table. You got your own table now, right? Yeah. yeah you exactly. got your own table. Yeah. People want to sit with the cool kid now. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Haitian kid. That's <laughs> funny looking Haitian kid. That's right. <laughs> Damn it. They're sitting with me. <laughs> so, um, so, um, so then, then I, I realized that, you know, I wanted to do something nice for myself. Right. Um, and at the time, um, I wanted to buy this really beautiful Rolex watch, you know, and at that time that watch symbolized that I made it, I'm in the room, I got to sit at the table. It's success, you know, 
you know, Rolex's story is, you know, it, a watch is for, uh, when you purchase a Rolex, it's, it's meant to be passed on for generations and generations and generations, right? It's timeless. So, yeah. So I wanted to buy this watch because I eventually, you know, because I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to be able to like hand this to my, one of my kids and be like, hey, you know, I got this watch when I had my first New York sold out show. And, you know, so it meant the world to me or something like that. So I'm at the Rolex store. I'm trying things on. I'm like, wow, you know, my dealer did a wire transfer. I screenshot it. I never had this much money in my account before. This is epic. You know? ah, so exciting. <laughs> And then uh, COVID hits. Um, and here's the thing about COVID and, 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 and being in New York. I've been here for over 22 years, right? So I've been here when September 11th happened. I've been here when uh, the blackout happened, the hurricane happened. Uh, and this was different, you know, because this affected everybody around the world, not just New York. This was a global thing, you know, and the fear and panic in people's voices. I've never heard before. I never heard this before. I never seen it or heard it before, you know, because as New Yorkers, you know, this is what we do. We put our big pants on and we just push forward, you right. know. So I'm in my studio and there was a little whisper in my head going on like, hey, you know, maybe now is not the time to buy a watch. You know, the whole purpose of buying a watch really is beyond this. You want to show it off. You know what I mean? You want people to ask you, hey, what time it is? You want to be like, oh, so uh, <laughs> let me check. Let me you check know? my Rolex, my yeah, very expensive yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah. Or you go to the bar, you go, hey, bartender. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Oh, you're being old school on me right now. <laughs> you know, so that was the whole purpose of it. So, um, but everything was going to shut down, you know. So this little voice in my head was like, hey, you really need to help. You need to do something. And the whisper became more of allowing voice and next thing you know i'm in my studio and i just grab my phone and say hey you know my name is guy stan Floch. i'm an artist in new york city and i'm looking to buy as much artwork as possible and i hate send and jody let me tell you that's when i that's when i opened pandora's box and my world and my life just kind of changed you know um the video went viral and next thing you know and mind you too the budget was only supposed to be twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. You know? I end up end up I literally end up spending everything I made from my sold out show um, and bought over four hundred pieces of artwork and um, now up to three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of art. You know, and I, uh, how much I spent. You know, I spent about three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars, but I love it. You know, and I, I I really truly truly love it. And you know, everyone's asked me like, you know, because I have friends, I have friends who are super famous in the art world, and they're like, why are you doing this? You know, and uh, these are guys who get three hundred thousand dollars for a painting, half a million dollars for anything you touch, and. And I told him, I was like, you know, not for nothing, you know, like we've been friends for 20 years, you know, art world, you know, you always said that, you know, you love my work and everything like that, but like, you never did me that solid, mm. you know, you never like introduced me to your dealer. You never introduced me to one of your collectors, you know, mm. which it's all good, you know, right. it's totally, totally good. But like, I'm not like that, you know? There's enough for everybody. And this is why I've learned throughout the years. There is enough for everybody. I wasn't that guy. I wasn't that guy who 
you know, didn't get in through the back, you know, through the front door. I had to go through the window, through the back door. But once I was in the room, my presence was always known. And I, and I think that given this story, again, going back to your authenticity, because I do know you personally, and I know that you have always, always stuck to who you were. That never, never wavered. Never, never. And it drove a lot of people crazy that it never wavered, but you always stuck to who you were. And um, I always respected you for that. And in opening up Pandora's box and saying, hey, I'm Guy Stanley Falosh. I want to buy artwork. And boom, all of these artists from all over the world reached out to you, right? Yeah, yeah. And I had three important rules when, when I was buying this artwork, right? Rule number one, I bought what I love. Rule number two, I bought what I love. And the most important rule, um, I bought what I love, you know? So the, fun, the sad thing was, like, you know, when people were emailing me, DMing, they were writing these crazy, long, sad stories. I was like, ah, I don't hear about sad stories. I show me the artwork. That's it. Yeah, right. I don't hear about, you know, I don't want to hear about your uncle. I don't want to hear about you getting evicted, you know, your poor mom and your poor dad. It wasn't about that. It was strictly about the work. And it's the like, work. show me the numbers. But in this situation, it was show me your artwork. Yeah. Let me see if I like it. If I love yeah. it. If it just, again, going back to that emotion. Right. And does it emote? Can I emote anything from this? What do I feel when I see it? If it makes you feel yeah. whatever feeling it is, yeah. if that's what you yeah. want to feel, you're going to buy it. Right. Buy it. And, and, that, and, that, and that was it. You know, and I remember emailing people. I was like, hey, listen. I don't need to hear your sad story. I know life yeah. is hard. I get it. Just show me the work. Yeah, I love that. I watched you on the Kelly Clarkson show um, make a, a woman cry uh, because she, she couldn't believe that she was talking to you. And you had just purchased her artwork. I don't remember when. I, I don't remember where she was from. Um, but it was really touching to see you do that and to have, again, that huge impact and be you know, you're a philanthropist now, you know, you're oh, giving, you're, it's so funny when people say that I can barely spell the word and that people are like, Oh my God, you're just amazing. <laughs> yeah, we never ask you to spell a word. Never. We do not do that ever, but, but that's what it is. It's giving back. And it's funny because I've always said to my daughters, if there can be anything on my gravesite or anything in memory of me, I wanted to say that I was a philanthropist. I want to always be able to have enough of an impact, whether it's making money or some kind of impact so I can give back. And I feel like you are in that place right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, here's the thing, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I've been very blessed that I have access to lots of, lots of amazing incredible people, lots of high profile people, um, lots of celebrities. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, you could be worth a hundred million dollars, but if your fellow neighbor is struggling and you work and you're worth a hundred million dollars, dude, like a lousy ten dollars would change his life. You but know, you understand that not a lot of people feel that way. So oh, I, I, I get it. I listen. Well, thank I, you. I see it. I see it. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no, yeah. th- no, thank you for that. That's just uh, incredible. And before we we end the show, I'm going to have you give everybody um, your contact information. Um, during COVID, you also created another series by, aside from reaching out to other artists and purchasing their artwork, uh, you created Remembering Your Innocence series. Yeah. 
Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I'm in my studio. Uh, you know, I'm in New York. New York is ground zero. Um, you know, and as you know, Central Park got turned into a hospital. We had this massive battleship that came in that was into uh, that was a, another hospital. Uh, the Javits Center got turned into a hospital. Uh, outside Central Park, there was these freezers for all the dead, you know, because the morgue right. was being um, Yeah, my daughter moved out of the city at the time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it, was, it was just devastating, you know. And, and at the time, too, a lot of artists was painting the same narrative. Now, their work, at that time, that work is very important. I still think that work is very important. You know, they were painting, you know, the same subject matter, you know, people of color with masks, nurses with masks, uh, doctors with masks, first responders with masks. Um, and, and those works were all amazing, and, you know, they're all important and everything like that. But I wanted to do something for the people, mm. you know, because nobody was smiling anymore at all you know if you turn on the news it was nothing but death and misery you are very you are very right like nobody was smiling at all everyone was just like depressed and angry and it was a constant reminder of what's going on especially when you're talking tv the radio every day you know so um i'm in my studio and i'm like staring at this canvas you know and i was just like all right you know, and I just remember just closing my eyes. And I remember when I was a kid and I remember just waking up Saturday morning, you know, having a big bowl of cereal, <laughs> watching cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Captain Crunch. Yeah, and then just, and I remember when I, when I just thought about that, that moment, this big smile just came on my face. I was like, oh my God. And it was a long shot. It was a, it was a, it was a super long shot. I was like, all right, let me paint Garfield. So I just did Garfield and blah, blah, blah. And I posted. And next thing you know, I'm getting DMs. And people are like, oh, my God, this is a work, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, boom, that painting just got sold, you know, 24 wow. hours later, you know. I was like, oh, let me do another one. And then, again, it was, and it was all cartoons that I, I used to watch, you know. And uh, it and became a big, big hit. And my dealer was like, yeah, we need 10 of these paintings because everyone's calling the gallery for them. And so did you was, go back in this series? Did you go back and were you painting um, cartoon characters? Like I know you've got. I wanted to get into the whole Snoopy and everything. Um, was it that it was? They were cartoons, right? Yeah, they were cartoon characters. Yeah, yeah there was Snoopies. There were um, Heathcliff. There was um, Snoopy characters. There were just all types of stuff, you know. But it was like there was He Man stuff, you know. But it was just um, Smurfs. It was just all types of random cartoons that I did. Um, but it really hit home with people. And next thing you know, people just loved them and start smiling again. And that was, you know. Love that. And again, you are being authentic. As you yeah. said at the beginning, you said, I'm not going to, you know, quote unquote, draw upon things that didn't have an effect on me. Yeah, correct. Or, 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 or paint about stuff that I didn't live, you know, or, you know, create art about a lifestyle that I didn't live. How can you? Nobody would be able to relate to it because you yeah, are being fake. Yeah, exactly. And it, it would it would come across that so easily on the canvas, you know. I like so Completely. yeah. So so that's why I I always paint stuff that I know, you know. Uh, and once I did that, it was it just became another big hit, you know. Do so. you give? I know we're going to get into something, but I want to finish the series. But do you get it? But I'm going to divert for a second. Do you give that same advice to young artists who are starting out or maybe artists who are stuck? Like only 
only create things that you could, that you've lived in or, because otherwise, if it's not relatable to you, how can it be relatable to your audience or the audience you want to pull in? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, and I I get DMs, I get emails, I get calls all the time for, you know, people who see me or, or, or people stop me in the street, like, oh my God, I'm an artist too. What, what kind of advice, Mm. you know, should, uh, you know, you have any advice, you know, I just like, just paint what you know, man, you know? Um, because for instance, right now, you know, um, black art's hot right now, like super, super hot, you know, if you're a black artist, you're painting black subject matter, you Mm. know, well, guess what? I'm a black artist, but I don't paint black subject matter, you know? Right, right. um, And I think, I think that, um, that stuff is beautiful. I think it's really cool, but like, I'm not going to force myself to Mm. paint, you know, black subject matters, uh, just because it's a trend right now. You know, and I really think that like, you know, again, but it's one of those things too, where it's like, stay in your lane. You know, this is what I know. You know, I only paint stuff that I, I've lived or experienced um, and it comes across that and people, and that's why I think people really, really, really feel really good and really love the work when they see it. I think you might be my most fearlessly authentic guest oh, in the last two years. I No, I'm not throwing, you know me, I don't throw compliments around. Neither one of us do that. <laughs> we don't, yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't say things we don't mean. Um, so let's go like during COVID, the, during the pandemic, all this craziness going on, Black Lives Matter, um, and you come up with this, probably this is my favorite series, is The Revolution. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it, it came across where uh, I got a call from, one of my friends who asked me to participate in the Black Lives Matter mural in Harlem, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone who knows me knows I'm not very political. I'm just, no. um, so I was like, all right, cool. You know? And then he was just, and I asked him a very important, like, do I need to tell you what I'm doing or, you know, cause I have an idea in my head, but I don't know if it's going to be t- controversial. So he told, and I told him, he's like, yeah, you know, he was like, you'll play what you need to do. I was like, all right, cool. So, um, so I'm in Harlem and, you know, I get my two letters and I paint this really cool thing. You know, I take, I take the badge numbers of the four officers who killed George Floyd and I put them really big on the two, on this one letter. And then I cross out, then I cross out the badge numbers with red paint, you know, and people were just like, so like confused about it, you know, they're like, why are you doing this? And so I was like, listen, you know. I'm taking away their power, you know, by crossing out their badge numbers. And once I told them that, they're like, oh, wow, this is really heavy. This is really dope. This is amazing. And, um, and it, was, it, was just pro- it was a really cool, amazing experience for me. So the next day I go and then I'm like seeing what's going on in the world. Because we were going through a revolution, mm-hmm. you know. As much as people want to deny it, we were going through a revolution, you know. But when you look at the word and, and when you use that word revolution, People always think about violence and all the negative things about revolution, war, chaos, you know, looting, you know, and I was just like, what can I do to take this word revolution and let people know we could have a revolution, but with peace and love, but better yet, what subject matter can I, you know, can I use to really have a huge impact. So I went back to like, you know, my old series, Remember Your Innocence. I was like, all right, you know, I was like, you know what? 
Snoopy is the most beloved dog character around the world. Everybody knows Snoopy. Everybody knows Snoopy. How funny when I, if I just paint Snoopy and just have, have the word revolution next to it. Yeah. Well, also, I want everybody to understand that you didn't just spell out the word revolution. And I, right. I explain how you spell it. Yeah. So so if you look at the word revolution, um, it's the word love is in there, too. So what I did, I took the uh, I took the word love and just turn it around and highlight it in red. I have to tell you, it's brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Like you just looked at it a different way. Uh, I love it. <laughs> that's just stop for a second so I can take a picture, but we'll take a snapshot there. That to me, I just thought was so brilliant bringing in those beloved characters and just using the word revolution. Like it's like, again, emoting in the right. back of your mind. It's not emoting something that's angry or mean or violent or chaotic. Exactly what you said. It's, it's just reminding you, Hey, there's a revolution going on. Right. There's a revolution going on, right? Yeah, right. And then, but, but it could be with peace and love and respect and respecting each other, but it was time for a change, you know? And, and this change had to happen. And so, and I was, again, I was in it. You know, I didn't go, you know, when, when the pandemic and all this stuff was going on in New York City, I didn't pack up my things and leave. I was like, no, I was knee deep in it. You know, I was here. I was witnessing. I was witnessing a lot of things. I was living it. Um, New York is my home, you know. Right, right. Um, and I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, things, things just because things got a little tough, and you know, and now we're now we're we're forced to have those uncomfortable conversations with people, you know. Um, I'm not going to leave, you know. And the funny thing about you know what happened at that time, you know, a lot of my white collectors were all calling me and were just like. Hey man, you know, I hope I never, I was like, dude, you're good. Cause you know, if you know me, if you had to say something and it takes a lot to offend me, but like, I just thought it was really funny at the time where my phone was literally blowing up with all my white collectors mm-hmm. and, you know, saying, Hey, listen, I'm really sorry what's going on. I hope, you know, we, I was like, listen, you're good. If you had said something, I will call you out there on a spot, not three years later. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we've got about four minutes left, unfortunately, three minutes left. Oh my God. We could be be for hours. I know. I know. So I've mentioned this a few times and the name of the show is Fearlessly Authentic. And you really have struck a chord in me. and, And one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on the show, because I know, you know, we know each other, but this is all you've just blown up to when I say blown up, you've just become even more authentic than ever. And so what does being a fearlessly authentic person mean to you? Um, you know, just be true to yourself. You mean, um, don't worry about what other people think, you know, um, one thing that I've learned um, about myself is that um, I'm in charge of my own destiny, you know? And if you really, really want to be authentic to yourself, you are in charge of your own destiny, you know? So as long as you, as long as you stay focused and, keep to, and keep, keep to who you really, truly are and look yourself in the mirror, because sometimes you have to have a reality check and check yourself, you know? And I do that a lot, you know? Especially now 
um, that, you know, I've been on covers of magazines, I've been on TV and everything like that. And it just, you have to check yourself sometimes and just remember where you're from, you know, and remember who, who's been with you since day one. So yes. as, long as, you keep those, as long as you keep those things in mind, I think you'll be fine. It's beautiful. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Oh, and by the way, my pronouns are dude and bro. <laughs> okay. That's, I know that. I've always been, I don't know if you've ever called me bro, but you've def- definitely called me dude, like all the time. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think you ever called me Jody. I'm, maybe the first time we met, you might've said hi, Jody, or goodbye, Jody. But like, since then it was dude. So I appreciate you actually said my name during the show. Um, so for struggling artists, beginning artists, our collectors, how can they reach you? Yeah, um, so you could basically, the best thing to do is check my Instagram. Um, it's Guy Stanley Filosh. Um, and, you know, DM me if you want to talk, believe it or not. You know, they call me the people's artist for a reason because I'm easy to have, you know, I'm easy to get hold of. Yes, I do have dealers and publicists and agents and everything like that, but I still check my own DMs and, if uh, if you have a cool piece of art, I'm always buying. You know, Art Miami was very successful for me. So, um, yeah, let me know. Send me some stuff. Yeah, please. Yeah. Any artists out there who are listening right now and share with your friends, you could probably, you could be in the Faloche collection, but only if he likes it. Yeah. So, and don't Guy send Filo- me that story. <laughs> Just show me the artwork. <laughs> Guy Stanley Faloche, thank you so much for being on Fearlessly Authentic. We've learned so much from you and um, happy holidays. Oh, happy holidays. And oh my God, this was so much fun. You know, I've been doing this for a while and you're definitely one of the best interviewers I've had. So for thank that, you. that, I thank you. You know, Joe Rogan has nothing on you. <laughs> oh, there you, there you go. There you go. Thank you so much, Guy. And everybody, I will talk to you next week on Fearlessly Authentic. All right. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.